are listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series hosted by Tatenda Musinahama. Welcome to the conversation. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Africa Rights Talk. With me today is Ms. Lengiwe Dube from the Center for Human Rights and I'm going to ask her to please introduce herself. Hello everyone and thank you for the opportunity to speak today. My name is Lengiwe Dube. I am from the Expression, Information and Digital Rights Unit of the Center for Human Rights based at the University of Pretoria. Can you tell us more about the nature of the work that you do at the Center for Human Rights? That we do is around freedom of expression, access to information, and um, digital rights in, in general. And we also, there's this important aspect of our work that I want to highlight, that we support the mandate of the Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression and Access to Information in Africa, which is the African Commission mandate, which is responsible um, for for those um, rights on freedom of expression and access to information. But uh, besides that, we do... Um, work around access to information and elections. We do work on technology and human rights in, in that broad context. It is to my understanding that the theme for the Center for Human Rights this year is hashtag tech for rights, keeping up with disruptions, rethinking a human rights-based approach to new technologies in Africa. So that being the center's theme for the year. What are the objectives that the center hopes to achieve? Yes, indeed, um, Tatenda. The the theme this year is uh, on technology and human rights. And um, is a very important theme to the units because it centers around the work that we do. So in terms of this theme, what we seek to achieve is, is the fact that, you know, there is a link between um, technology and, and human rights, and we want to bring awareness uh, on issues around technology and human rights, how technology impacts our lives, and how technology impacts um, human rights, and how we can use technology to advance human rights. Um, so basically, that, that's what we, we aim to achieve. And also, just to mention that technology and human rights um, is not just about um, the work that our unit does, it's about everyone, it's about everybody, it's everyone is affected by technology because everyone is using these technologies and they definitely have an impact on children, they have an impact on women, they have an impact on persons with disabilities, they have an impact on on everybody. So it's, it's, it's a very important theme to highlight, especially as digital technologies, um, you know, every day there is a new enhancement, there, is a, there are new technologies coming up. So we need to find and understand that link with human rights. I'm glad that you mentioned something that um, really struck with me. You did say that technology and human rights does actually affects different aspects of human rights. For example, children's rights, disability rights, um, just to mention a few. So with that being said, what is the impact of technology on these different aspects to human rights? 
Well, impact is very broad. Like I mentioned that technology affects everybody, but let me just highlight some of the some of the aspects. So when you're looking at the right of freedom of expression, for example, technology, specifically the the internet, is a very important tool which is an enabler of exercising and enjoying the right of freedom of expression. We are able to express ourselves online through different platforms because we have access to internet. And um, related to freedom of expression is the right of access to information. Um, right now, we, we, we need a lot of information to exercise other rights. Um, access to information is a facilitative right or it's an enabling right. And with the use or with using technologies, we are able to access a lot of information that we need. In fact, we are overwhelmed by information because because of these technologies, because of these platforms. And uh, let me just zero in to COVID-19 that we are seeing an information overload because of these platforms, of these technologies that we are using. And that's how, as far as access to information is concerned. And also people are able to mobilize human rights activists, are able to mobilize each other online and advocate for human rights online. We don't have to be traveling to different places. We can actually congregate together on a platform and advocate for certain rights. So it's a contribution passed positively to uh, exercising the right of um, freedom of association and freedom of assembly um, online. So... um, and um, when you are looking at the rights of women, um, using using technologies has necessitated women to participate in in some of the economic spaces that they would never have been able to do so without without using technology. For example, using mobile money has made women access the the financial sector. Uh, I'll I'll mention an example of the one that is used in in Kenya, M-Pesa, and how that has contributed to um, women's participation in the digital economy. And also in terms of advancing women's rights, where sometimes it's very difficult for women to express themselves in the online platforms, it has been possible, it's now possible to for somebody to express themselves and to challenge uh, patriarchal systems online. And somebody can also even do that anonymously without, you know, facing the, the, the harsh backlash that you would have otherwise gotten if you were doing that offline. I also want to talk about persons with disabilities. Technologies have made things possible for persons with disabilities, some things that would have otherwise been um, impossible. If you look at assistive devices that are used by persons with disabilities, they are able to access information, they are able to go to school, exercise their right to education using certain assistive devices um, or even hearing aids. You can actually have... um, uh, what are they called? You can actually have um, um, sign language, uh, not not sign language, but um, 
I can't remember what they are called, but I'm just trying to say that for persons with disabilities, it has made a lot of things possible, which would have otherwise not been possible if if they were not using um, if they were not using um, technologies. And I, I also then want to mention that in light of all these positives that I'm mentioning that we are able to exercise all these rights because of the convenience of technology. The flip side of it is that um, technologies are bringing, um, there are negative things that we are witnessing because of technology. The negative things that are, are, are happening have an impact on, on our rights as well as we used to. So as we enjoy the conveniences, there are the hazards again. Again, I will look at the, the, the issue of women and children. The violence online is happening. The violence online is real. Children are affected. Women are affected. There is cyberbullying. There is cyberstalking. Um, there is... Some women also experience the non-consensual sharing of intimate images, and uh, that has disastrous impact on somebody's confidence, on somebody's career. It can actually silence somebody because such kind of um, images have been shared online with the public. So you have such kind of uh, bad aspects that, that we are grappling with. And when as we progress with the theme of technology and human rights, it is also to bring awareness to these violations that take place online. And um, and then again, there is the issue of cybercrime. There are people who are falling prey to criminals as technology is, is advancing. Criminals are also using the same technology and people are falling victim to, 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 to all manner of cyber crimes or cyber threats. I'll give an example of South Africa. South Africa has a very high rate of cyber crime in the world. This is happening and we have a lot of our information that we are sharing online and they are all manner of um, um, of, of uh, crimes that take place online, uh, taking advantage of the information that people share online, hence the need for very strong cybersecurity frameworks, cybersecurity strategies, and also cybercrime laws, but also having such laws respecting human rights. It's, it's a very fine balancing act, but that's what we need to protect ourselves online. Children need to be protected online. Women need to be protected online. Everybody needs to be protected online. But again, like I said, technology is enhancing our human rights. Maybe by way of extension, I'll ask you the question of the right to privacy in this digital era. How is that really affected? The right to privacy in this digital era is no longer absolute. So what are your comments and reflections as far as that is concerned? So my response would be the right to privacy is, is indeed a fundamental right. 
which finds expression in most of our constitutions have that, that right to privacy. If you look at the international framework, our ICCPR has that right, the UDHR has that right, with the exception of, exception of the African Charter. It's a fundamental right that needs to be, to be protected. And it's, it's not an easy concept to define. It's a very difficult concept to, to, to define. But in terms of when you are looking at information privacy, as an individual, you need that space to operate freely without interference. But because there is a lot of information as we use these technologies, there is a lot of information when we are opting in to use certain services, they demand a lot of information from us. So we are giving away a lot of information when you want to access a service. So what we then need, Tatenda, is a framework that is able to protect our personal information when we give it away. When we give it out to access certain services, we need that guarantee or that guarantee that the information is only going to be used for the purposes that you have signed up for. And uh, with that, we... What we need are data protection, data protection um, frameworks, data protection laws. Some countries do have them. Some countries don't have them. Some are in the process of developing those laws. And when in those laws, they, they contain or they, they comprise certain principles that define how to process personal information. So these laws are adopted to give effect to the right to privacy. So that I know that if I have shared my information with the Center for Human Rights, for the purposes of attending a short course on social economic rights. My information is going to be used for that particular purpose and it's only going to be shared with the third party when I have consented that the information be shared. So this is, this is the situation. Is the right to internet access as well as different other forms of technology, should it be a basic human right? Let me begin by saying that it is unfortunate or fortunate that it has taken a pandemic, this COVID-19, for us to realize the importance of internet. Never has there been a time when it has been so important to have internet in our lives than this time, this time of COVID-19. And why not have it as a right? So this is the direction where we want to, 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 to be moving towards, where access to internet is a right. So the UN has, at the moment, um, adopted some, some resolutions that speak to access to internet as a right. And um, we have also seen progressive decisions by, um, in India Last year, around September, before we commemorated the Universal Day of Access to Internet, one of the high courts of India, the Court of Kerala, decided on the on the right to 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 accessing internet, and and the court 
held that access to internet actually is a human right. And um, in that context, it was linked to the right to education. And the court held that for you to be able to advance your right to education, you need uh, to have internet. So internet becomes a very basic component of that right. Hence, it should also be a standalone right. And early this year, again, the Supreme Court of India also pronounced itself on access to internet being a right. And I think this is the direction that we should be taking. So here in Africa, the African Commission on Women and People's Rights revised its declaration of of freedom of its declaration of principles on freedom of expression and access to information. And in the revised declaration, there is that aspect of access to internet. What the African Commission through that declaration is saying is that there has to be universal access to affordable and quality internet for everybody, regardless of who they are. So that kind of statement, it speaks to access to internet being a right for everybody, regardless of your status, regardless of your nationality, everybody needs access to internet because we are seeing like in the context of COVID-19, how internet is helping us, um, is helping us in, in, in many ways. Practicing social distancing might, distancing might mean me not going to the shop, but I still need to get some stuff, but I can still continue doing that by shopping online and making shopping possible. Children can still go to school online. We can still continue doing work online. So hence, indeed, internet has to be a basic human right. Now that you mentioned that, and if we're looking at the African context, it would be easy to assume, I mean, listening from your response, someone would assume that the African context is based on equality, but that's not really the case. Africa is riddled with a lot of inequality, and that disadvantages a lot of people. You would be very familiar with statistics as to how many people have access to internet and different forms of technology. So with that, in the face of the COVID-19, pandemic? Has technology made the impact of the pandemic more bearable or less bearable in the African context? I think first and foremost, the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed the digital divide. It's glaring and COVID-19 has exposed that. Of the, the people that have are connected, are digitally connected in the world. Africa just forms a small component of it. So most of the people in Africa are still not connected to internet. And this this poses a lot of difficulties because like I have just mentioned in the previous in the previous response, how internet has made things possible during COVID-19. It's only a percentage of the African population that is able to enjoy, you know, life using using internet. But there's a great part of the population in, in Africa that is not able to 
to enjoy the same benefits. If you look at our rural areas, our rural areas, most of them do not have mobile connectivity, do not have access to internet, they are not connected to electricity. So whilst some of us that are digitally connected, we managed to just slide into the online world and continued with our work. There are so many people that have not been able to, to make that transition. And when it comes to information, like right now, a lot of some countries in Africa are partnering with Facebook and providing um, information on, on, on using the Facebook platform, information on COVID-19. If you don't have access to internet, you won't be able to access that. The South African government has come up with a zero-rated platform where people can get internet, but you need certain infrastructure for you to be able to say you are connected. And we have communities that are not connected. And we are talking about governments having adopted various measures to respond to COVID-19. And we are saying for people to be able to comply, they need access to internet, they, they need access to information. And most of this information is available online. And if somebody is not connected online, you miss out on a lot of information. It, it becomes even worse in situations where um, some communities are not even, do not have community radio stations, which become an alternative. In Africa, we still have that challenge where it's difficult or it's still, you know, a challenge to have community radio stations um, registered. So you have a challenge of access to internet, you have a challenge of accessing information through cheaper platforms like, like radio stations. The other thing is that, yes, we might be connected, those that are connected to internet, but there is the cost of data. Africa has one of the highest cost of data in the world. I think data is more expensive in Africa than any other continent. So the cost of data is very high and being very high, it means that it's prohibitive. If you look at how many people in Africa are surviving on less than a dollar a day and you look at the cost of internet, when somebody gets a dollar, they would rather buy food than buy data. So that's the reality that that we have that as we as we celebrate the fact that some of us are connected to 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 the internet we're still grappling with the idea of data being being very expensive and being prohibitive um because of that and because the cost of data is prohibitive schools have not been able to continue, some of them have not been able to continue um, with, the, with the classes or initiate the online alternative because either internet is not there or the cost of data is, is prohibitive. We are in a very unusual situation of COVID-19 where we need to practice social distancing, hence we need to use more of the online um, facilities, but this won't be possible or it's becoming very difficult because of, of, of the reasons that um, 
the reasons that I've, that I've, that I've applied. Thank you for your informative responses. Um, as a way of conclusion, I think I'd just like you to provide any concluding remarks or recommendations that you have as far as um, this topic we're discussing is concerned. In concluding, I just want to say that we have seen COVID-19 has shown us how important access to internet is and we should be gravitating towards having a right of access to internet. We are not going back and our governments and the private sector or other stakeholders involved should be working together and ensuring that there is universal access to internet, there is affordable internet, there is quality internet. Internet is for everybody. Um, without discrimination, we all need um, access to internet and also to encourage other organizations working on digital rights to have a focus on the violence that is taking place online. It's something that is worth challenging, it's something that is worth looking into, especially the aspects of the violence of um, children um, online. Um, and also uh, for the various stakeholders involved in digital rights to continue advocating for technology and, and human rights. Thank you so much, Lengiwe, for your time. It was lovely having this discussion with you. Thank you, Tatenda. This has been Africa Rights Talk with me, Tatenda Musinahama. Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues.